The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. Joining me today is someone who I have been admiring for years because of his work in food marketing and consumer trend tracking, and that would be the supermarket guru, Phil Lempert. Phil, welcome. Thank you so much, Melinda, and you're the ultimate food sleuth. That's so right. That's great. So the food sleuth meets the food, the supermarket guru, and we're going to have a great time talking about trends. We are just barely into the new year, and being an avid trend tracker with a long history of monitoring consumer behavior and marketing trends, the supermarket industry, food producers, what do you see as the number one trend? For 2010, uh, the number one trend is going to be the challenges as food prices go up yet again. Uh, what people don't understand, both in the food world as well as the average consumer, is our food comes from the ground. So as a result of that, weather conditions really affect the price of food. We've already seen the price of uh, cacao go up dramatically, the highest it's ever been, dairy prices up meat prices up, and we're going to see corn and wheat and soy prices up as well. So even though towards the end of last year prices decreased, this year prices are going to go up again. And frankly, they're always going to be going up as the environment continues to have dirtier water, dirtier air, and more weather conditions. How is that going to influence the kind of food products we see on the supermarket shelf? Well, I don't think it's going to influence them a lot, um, with one exception being chocolate. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see, because, again, that price of cacao up just so much, that we're probably going to see more aerated chocolate, similar to what we've seen for years in Europe with the Aero Bar. In fact, there's a new product out already called Bubble Chocolate, which has the good news, 25% less fat, less calories, and the like, but it's because there's 25% more air that's being blown into it. But I've got to tell you that it really tastes great, and because of that aeration, it actually melts on your tongue, and it's much more flavorful than the typical chocolate bar. Do I dare ask, is it fairly traded? Um, I don't know if that product is. I don't think it is. Um, It is a European chocolate, but I don't know the answer to that. Well, you know, one of the trends that you had identified on your website, and I should tell our listeners that if you go to simpleanddelicious.com as well as supermarketguru.com, you can see Phil live in person, and he goes through some different food trends. And track. you can get graphs and charts, that, and you can follow the food market yourself. And if you happen to be a trend junkie like I am, you'll absolutely eat his, eat his information up. Now, you've got a trend, however, that looks at something called credibility. People are looking for brand credibility. What do you mean by that? 
Well, there's no question that when we look at the food recalls that we've seen from Peanut Corporation of America, for example, mm-hmm. where the president and the CEO are you know, testifying in Congress and they look like thugs, nothing more than yeah. thugs, um, or foods from China that have been recalled because melamine has been added to them. We, we want to know where our food comes from. There's no question about it. And now with country of origin labeling, it really makes our job as consumers a lot easier. So what we see happening this year from a credibility standpoint, from an authenticity standpoint, the big brands that are out there, the ConAgra's, the Kraft of the world, the Nestle's of the world, are doing everything that they can to be transparent in all their aspects of business. And those are the companies that, frankly, we're going to gravitate towards since we trust them so much more. Right. Yeah, that issue of trust is really difficult for a consumer to get their arms around, I think. I mean, there's there's certainly savvy advertising out there. How do consumers really know what's going on behind the scenes? Do you have any strategies for for us? Sure. Number one is always to listen to food sleuth. Uh, And number two is whenever you pick up a package that has any kind of claim on the front of the package, turn it around, read the ingredients, and look at the nutritional information. Um, One thing that I can't tell you how many times I see, on the front of the package it will say no MSG, but it has yeast extract as one of the ingredients, which, you know, contains natural glutamates. So we've got to do our job. And it's our responsibility to read those labels very carefully because the average person spends just 22 minutes when they go food shopping. And what that translates to is about one thirty-second of a second for each product that are on the shelves. Products now, there's 60, 65,000 products in a supermarket. So what we've got to do is slow down, read those labels carefully, both ingredients and nutrition. You know, I'm with you. As a dietitian, I tell people really the most important piece of information on that food label is indeed the ingredient list. And I know that the FDA has been toying with some changes to the food label. There have been uh, there have been suggestions that we have a you know a red, green, and yellow sticker to say if this is you know stop, go easy, cautionary foods. Where are we going with food labels? Well, unfortunately, what we've seen happen is that the food industry can't do it themselves, and the government has to step in. If you look at, at you know, the Smart Choices program, right. uh, it's a perfect example. Any of these devices, whether it's a stoplight, whether it's guiding stars, whether whatever, the problem with them is it's not transparent. Guiding stars has not made their algorithm public. So what that means, is you as a consumer or you as a food company have no idea how you could increase your rating. Why is that important? Well, it's important because if it was a very simple formula that people knew what the rating would be for fat or the kind of fat that's being used or sodium levels, what it would do is it would actually force the food companies to make healthier food so that they could get a better rating. Mm -hmm. So it's critical that we do have this transparency. Right now, we've got just about every major company that have their own logos or their own system. We've got guiding stars, and, and, you know, it's just too confusing. So what I really think we're going to see short order from the government, they're going to come up with an open algorithm um, device, uh, a symbol on a package that will dictate whether or not, at a glance, it's healthy for us. Now, you've seen the new label, the Nuval. 
Okay, that was just presented at the American Dietetic Association, and uh, the person who presented it to us showed us how that was formulated. Essentially, it's a nutrient density scale. Correct. However, um, I thought it was interesting that let's say you had a yogurt product. If the yogurt was sweetened with an artificial sweetener, it got actually a higher score rather than one that was sweetened with sugar. And you and I uh, may have different different opinions on that. Personally, I'd rather have sugar, but a little less of it, rather than using an artificial product. But that might be personal preference. No, Melinda, I am right there with you. Exactly the same problem that I have with the system. What we need to do, and there's some examples of in this past year, um, Haagen-Dazs 5, for mm. example, product comes out, five ingredients, all in English. Healthy choice, all natural. It says real food right on the package. You pick up the ingredients. It's all real food. Um, that's where we're going. We're moving away from artificial flavors. We're moving away from artificial sweeteners. Uh, we're moving to a much more natural source uh, for, for our nutrients. So I agree with you. And until we can level the playing field and really say that, you know, just to your point, sugar is better for you right. than either high fructose corn syrup or artificial sweeteners or whatever else. And we agree that that should have a higher rating. It's going to be more confusing for everybody. You could look at Nuval, the rating that they've got on a product, good guide, their rating, and um, you know, guiding stars, and you're going to see three different ratings. And that's not fair to a consumer. No, it's extremely confusing. I'll tell you, one of the issues that you brought up in your trend predictions that I that about knocked me off my seat was a return to the local butcher. I can understand that from a food safety standpoint. In fact, I, I was just talking to a friend over the New Year who said, I just bought a meat grinder. I'm not going to buy ground meat anymore. I saw Food Inc. But what about the cost of then reemploying all of those people who have that skill? Well, I don't know if we have a choice, number one. From a food safety standpoint, ground beef is a problem, unless it's irradiated, which obviously is something that consumers have not embraced. We have a problem. So what we see happening is going into a supermarket or into a local butcher store and picking the cut of meat you want and then grinding it on the spot. Now, the, you mentioned Food, Inc. There's some good and there's some bad to Food, Inc. Let's remember it is not a documentary. It is a movie, and there's some things in there that are fabulously true and some things that stretch the truth just a little bit to make it a better movie. So we've got to take all this information with a grain of salt and really understand that the closer we can get to nature, the better. That should be the rule of thumb. Yeah, I think that there are really a plethora of movies out there right now looking at the food system, and it really does get back to one of the trends you identified earlier, that collectively we want to know where our foods come from, and then to take that up a notch to have a relationship with those people who are producing and providing those foods. One of the trends that you mentioned that also was very uh, interesting to me because I'm in this demographic is that of the baby boom generation, and that 25% of our population now is 55 and older. What does that do to the food products we see on the shelf? Changes everything. 
Um, you know, we've had, and I'm a baby boomer as well, but we've had the spotlight on us from birth. We have. And, and we will continue to grab at that spotlight. But the interesting thing is, the, the older we get and the closer to death we get, life becomes more important. So what we're starting to see, and again, 2010, as you mentioned, the first of the baby boomer hit 65 years old, what we're starting to see is a new attention, two ingredients. That's what's driving the sodium reduction. ConAgra Foods just a couple months ago announced a 20% reduction in all of ConAgra's products, and that's everything from Healthy Choice to Peter Pan to Slim Jims to just Orville Redenbacher. You know, thousands of products are going to reduce their sodium by 20% by the year 2015. Mm. That's being driven by the baby boom generation. Uh, We're going to see healthier foods, healthier ingredients, and also... Finally, we're going to see smaller portions because one of the problems that we've got, whether it's obesity or early onset diabetes or heart disease, we Americans just eat way too much and we think that a good meal is, you know, somebody giving us a half a cow on a plate. Well, you know, it shouldn't be a half a cow. It should be about the size of a deck of cards and fill up the rest of the plate with whole grains and fruits and vegetables. Yeah, we're really in a bind, aren't we? Because we've had the luxury of abundance. And with that abundance, we've been able to take our food for granted. And there's so much of it, and it's marketed to us so exquisitely, and it's very hard to resist. But I like your identification of a movement towards real foods and ingredients and substance over glitz. What kinds of changes do you see going on now on supermarkets with regard to the consolidation of the food industry? Do we see an, a rise in those food products that are offered to us, or are we going to see some shrinking? Major shrinking. Uh, the biggest trend in, in retail food is moving away from these supermarkets that are forty to 60,000 square foot and downsizing them to eight to 10,000 square foot models, fresh and easy from Tesco, Walmart, um, Safeway, Albertson. Everybody's coming up with these smaller format stores. What that means for you and I as a consumer is that we're not going to be able to go in and look at a 100 different brands of extra virgin olive oil. Um, You could also argue that do we really need a 100 brands of extra virgin olive oil. We're going to see three or four brands. We're going to see the leading brands that are out there that we buy each and every day and the store brand. And as a cottage industry, we're going to see those other brands, that fourth, fifth, sixth brand, and basically disappear from store shelves. You're going to see some pop-up stores that are just going to offer those, and also you're going to see a lot of that business being drawn online. What about local and artisan foods? Well, the problem with local And um, while I applaud the concept of local, the reality is that we can't grow produce, um, every kind of produce, within 100 miles of where everybody lives in in America. It's not physically possible. So I think that local moves to locale. And what I mean by that is we want to know where our foods come from, and I might be buying Hunt's Crushed Tomatoes from California or wild Maine blueberries uh, from Maine. So that's, I think, what we're going to do. It's not realistic to expect that everybody can, can again, have fresh produce um, year-round within 100 miles. Having said that, what I'd love to see 
is us really cut back our consumption of imported produce. We don't need big, red, bright, tasteless strawberries 12 months a year. Let's eat strawberries when they're in season. And what's going to happen is it's going to deliver more nutrition and more flavor. That's the problem that we have. That's why people don't know where their food comes from. And if you look survey after survey, especially with kids, you know, they have no idea that strawberries come from the ground, as, as silly as, as that might sound. Um, they think that it's a manufactured product. So if we could go back to just eating fruits and vegetables when they're in season, when they have more nutrition and more flavor, I think we all win. I agree. If you're just joining us, we are speaking with the supermarket guru, Phil Limpert. He is America's leading consumer trend watcher and analyst. You can see him probably if you watch NBC News, The Today Show. He's been on ABC's The View, Oprah Winfrey, 2020, CNN, and now Food Sleuth Radio. So you know you've made it to the top, Phil. Exactly. Um, I have a question for you. Now, I... One of the things I love about your website is you've got this where you taste test and judge new products. So you do these new product reviews, and I love to watch and see what is new out there. How did you start doing that, and how do you get the products to review? Well, I started actually doing it about 25 years ago. And in the original Lempert Report, which was a you know paper newsletter, four-page yes. newsletter, uh, we started doing it there. Now we're in the electronic age, so it's all about uh, video and interactivity. And we pick five products a week. We, we go through about three to 400 products every week to get those five. And they come to us either from recommendations from our viewers, at trade shows, for example, the Fancy Food Show just happened at, uh, a couple weeks ago in San Francisco, going up and down the aisles looking for that. And the food companies send us their products to review. Our, our reviews are not paid for. You know, somebody couldn't even buy a review if they wanted to. And we have a lot of hits and a lot of misses. Now, do you do most of the reviews yourself? I do all the reviews myself. So you've got the greatest job in the world, I think. I do. All right. Now, you've got uh, eight points, eight criteria that you judge the new foods with. And you, you've, got num- you've got number one is taste, absolutely, right? It remains Correct. the most important attribute of any food. Then you've got value. Is it worth it? And I looked at that and I thought, hmm, that's going to vary a little bit, isn't it? Well, yes and no. Uh, for example, we just did a review um, that, I, uh, that I taped this morning for a, a very good product. It's a gluten-free cookie. It's tasty. It has good nutrition, everything about it, but it's about three times the price that it should be. Mm. You know, on the other hand, we just did a pasta sauce. In fact, that's on our review today. That not only is an exceptional product, it got our highest review this week in '93. Not only is it an exceptional product, the first ingredient is crushed tomatoes, second is diced tomatoes, third is extra virgin olive oil. There's no sugars added to it. You know, it's only two forty-nine, and that product is less than the ragu or, or prego or some of the others that are out there that are loaded with all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so value, I think, is very important to consumers, especially in these economic times. All right. Number three, you've got health, and you base that off the nutritional information panel. You've got ingredients, what's in it, and how, quote-unquote, natural is it, preparation, appearance, packaging, and my favorite, 
sustainability, the S word, so difficult to get our arms around. And you've used these criteria. Is the packaging biodegradable? Is it wasteful? Is the company endeavoring to offset their carbon footprint? All really great questions. Phil, how did you come up with these? Well, again, just looking and, and what I'm constantly doing is attending um, whatever kind of sustainability conferences that are out there because, as you said, everybody's trying to get their hands around it. So if, in fact, um, you mentioned fair trade before, if, in fact, there's a company who is giving back, whether it's from fair trade or donating a portion of their profits to charity or to their community, that counts for sustainability. It's not just about packaging, and that's where a lot of companies miss the boat. It's really making sure that our future, and the future of our planet, the future of our people, is sustainable for decades and generations to come. Absolutely. How would you rate vitamin water? Or some of these, you know, vitamin-enhanced waters in plastic bottles? I give them terrible ratings. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. Uh, First of all, if you look at a product like vitamin water, most of the vitamins that are in there are water-soluble, so they're just flushing out of your system. The average American really does get enough vitamins naturally if they've got a good diet through their food. You might want to supplement vitamin C or, or some of the others at different times of the year. But the good news, or vitamin D right now, because there's no sun out there, right. uh, but for the most part, a lot of these products are adding ingredients and cost to products that, that are silly. In fact, the whole bottled water, unless you're in an area that has really terrible water, you know, you're throwing your money away on bottled water. Get a Brita water filter, attach it to your sink, and that's going to be a lot better. Uh, Dasani and Aquafina, for example, the two leading brands, are just purified water. Um, that, that comes from either Coke or Pepsi from their bottling plants. So you're not getting anything, you know, all that much better than a Brita water filter, but you're paying a buck or a buck fifty for it. As you pointed out, you've got now more plastic that goes into the landfill that's going to sit there forever, even though a lot of the bottled water companies are now using, you know, 50% less plastic a lot of plastic out there. Uh, we're seeing different cities trying to impose a plastic bottle tax on bottled water. They're just not necessary. You know, one of the interesting things I've been watching in the beverage group is we've got these high energy drinks and now recently a, a slow drink, where, you know, one that calms us down. I, I believe it's laced with kava. Have you seen these? Yeah, in fact, I brought it on the Today Show uh, just a couple weeks ago. I chill, drank, relaxing, um, all those products are out there. The problem with it, from my standpoint, a lot of them have mega doses of melatonin in it. There's, there's a couple that have 10 times the recommended allowance for melatonin. Uh, back to what you said before, you got to read those labels. You know, if you need a beverage to relax, to really <laughs> calm you down, I think it, it should be a sign that says, you know, I need to really look at my life. Something is wrong here with my life if, if I'm that tense. Um, and I don't think that any of these beverages, and we've, and we've rated, you know, all of them, I don't think that any of them are, are really going to do much for you. You know, it's funny. When I first saw the relaxing drink, I thought, I thought the French and the Italians had figured that out a long time ago with yeah, the glass. Yeah, it's called wine. Yeah, it's called really good red wine. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we just have a few more minutes, and I want to make sure that I haven't neglected to ask you anything that, you know, what do you want our listeners to know about the future of food? 
Well, uh, a couple things. Number one is, as I said before, the closer that we can get to understanding our food, the better. In fact, later in, in February, we actually have a primetime PBS special coming out called Food Sense, and where we traced all the foods from breakfast back to the farm, back to where they came from. And again, this is a PBS documentary, so everything in it is true and realistic and fair to, to both sides. The conventional farmer, the organic farmer, both have a place in this country, but they have different places, and we've got to put it in the right perspective. Um, there's been lots of talk about the organic garden at the White House, lots of publicity. Well, the reality is 1,100 square foot of a, of a produce garden is not going to feed the White House for 12 months a year. And also, you know, they didn't do their homework. What we found is just a couple months later that the EPA came in there and tested the soil and found that it was too toxic to actually grow organic foods. So we need to be smarter about all the foods, where they're coming from, and I think that if we can accomplish that, what happens next is that obesity, our taste buds, you know, early onset diabetes, it all gets back under control because we're eating the right foods in the right portions. Well, I'll tell you, I think that anyone who wants to stay up to date on food trends should go to your website first and foremost. That's www.supermarketguru.com. Or if you'd like some great tips on how to get good food to the table fast, you can go to simpleanddelicious.com. Phil, do you want to leave our listeners with a charge for the new year? Yes. Uh, it's very simple. Um, always have that shopping list. Use the coupons. Read those ingredients. And enjoy our food. Our food should taste good. If it doesn't taste good, we're not going to eat it. I think enjoying our food is a wonderful message for the new year. Phil, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Bye-bye. I want to thank our listeners, too, for joining us and remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Tune into Food Sleuth Radio next week when I'll interview Robert Kenner of Food, Inc. <laughs>